From the west side of Charlotte, North Carolina, this is Here for Good, a collection of stories and conversations with the kinfolk of QC Family Tree. Listen in as we seek to awaken the popular imagination to new possibilities of abundance and spark social action for the common good. I'm one of the kinfolk. My name is Helms Gerald. During Advent, we prepare for Jesus to come. We get the house ready, put the tree up, we buy presents for people, we decorate, we get everything ready so that when Jesus shows up in our midst, we're prepared. I'm wondering if we are thinking of all the things. Are there some things that we've forgotten to prepare for? Are there, is there one more bed that needs to be made? Is there... One more dish that needs to be washed. Um, What are the things in which we've overlooked that need to also be prepared for Christ's coming? So throughout the next couple weeks during Advent, we're going to take some moments to think about what are the things we've overlooked in our preparation and how can we get those things ready for Jesus. Don't ask yourself what the world needs. Ask yourself what makes you come alive, and then go do that. Because what the world needs is people who have come alive. Howard Thurman Do you remember when you first learned to walk? I do. Okay, well, maybe not, but I can imagine. I first had to learn what a foot felt like. Why don't you try it? Take your shoe off. Press your foot into the floor. Feel the base of your foot touching the floor. Feel the arch of your foot. Your toes wiggle. Feel the ball of your foot. Rock your foot side to side, front and back. Did you remember what a foot felt like? And then once you feel what a foot feels like, you have to feel what feet feel like. So take off the other shoe. Put two feet next to each other. Press both feet into the ground. Rock them both front and back, side to side. Maybe stand up, lean one way, then the other. Feel the feet balancing each other. Feel the muscles holding you up. Once you feel what feet feel like, then you have to synchronize one foot, two feet. One step, two steps. There may have been some who have never been able to experience walking, but there are other firsts that you can remember. The first time swallowing, the first time clapping. For those of us who are able to walk or clap, we've forgotten what these sensations feel like. Our minds aren't fully aware of how to walk. It just comes naturally. We don't think about it anymore. There are three main postures for meditation, sitting, lying down on your back, and walking. When you're doing walking meditation, 
You take each step with a beginner's mind. You go slow. Use discernment. You're fully aware. Holy walking. As if there is a lamp unto your feet. And you step out into the light. Each step. Over and over again. Repetition. Always again. Fully filling. Fully aware. I want us to walk back through the story that we find in First and Second Samuel. If we were to look back to the story of the time of Samuel, we'd read that Samuel slept by the Ark of the Covenant. The story goes that due to Eli's sons blaspheming God, God allowed the Philistines to win in battle against Israel. And when the Philistines had won, they stole the Ark of the Covenant from Israel. Once the Philistines stole the ark, the ark started making everyone sick who was near it, so they decided to return it. Even though Israel got the ark back, the people weren't happy with it anymore. And this was the moment when the people demanded from Samuel that they would have a king, so they could be like all the other nations. And amidst all those changes, the ark was forgotten, and it sat neglected in the town of Kirith-Jerim. Now Samuel anointed David to be king, And David is known for many things. He's known for slaying the giant, being anointed, being a righteous king, a man after God's own heart. He was strong. There's a city named after him. There are songs that he has written. He's also known for his friendship with Jonathan, his love-hate relationship with Saul, and his scandalous and selfish desire for Bathsheba. David is a complicated character. As a young man, he spent much of his time as a shepherd, pondering the wonders of God and singing songs to God. He relied on God's guidance and faithfulness to help him get out of trouble and a trap of Saul. When he became king, he sought out God's direction and wanted to be found faithful and righteous in the eyes of God. Though complicated and not without strife, things had gone in David's favor. He's moved up the leadership ladder from ruler of Judah to a king of Israel. He's established the city of David, Jerusalem. He fought back the Philistines in battle. He's increased his governance, territory, and his namesake. We've established the David character isn't all good or all bad. He's not completely without fault, but he's not completely rotten either. He's loyal to God and egotistical, all wrapped into one. He seeks the guidance of God but is also guided by his own misled desire for status, territory, and power. Simply put, David's a normal guy. He's a lot like most of us. Now David worked to consolidate his power. He had made Jerusalem, the city of David, the political center of Israel. And now he wants to make Jerusalem the religious center of Israel. So he devises a plan to bring the ark of God to Jerusalem. His motives were probably good. He'd talk to God about most things and ask God for guidance on a regular basis. But at the same time, clearly he's gained some power here, some status, some capital. And like us, when we start to gain things, we can get a little careless, a little selfish. So he goes to get the ark, but he doesn't follow the rules of how to get the ark. Instead of priests carrying the ark, he instructs that oxen can carry the ark. And when they do, the oxen stumble. 
It's kind of a funny scenario, imagining the presence of God stumbling around on the feet of oxen. In other encounters with God, God being so close, people would turn their eyes away. They would remove their shoes in the presence of God. Now Uzziah, who had received gifts from being around the altar and taking care of the altar for so long, had become so familiar with the altar that when the altar started to stumble, he acted like he was a parent driving a car when the car in front of you stops quickly. And he reached over and he grabbed the altar to make it make sure that it wasn't going to stumble. And instead, when he touched the altar, right then and there, Uzziah dies. Maybe it was selfishness and ego. Maybe David got caught up in the drama and entertainment of it all. Maybe it was the thrill, the rush, the anticipation of doing something big, something important. Maybe they got caught up in the task or the goal. Maybe they were excited about the win. Maybe it was self-congratulation. Whatever the case, David had lost touch. He had forgotten God's instructions. He had lost his sense of awareness. He'd gotten so used to winning, so used to leading, so used to completing tasks. It had become natural to him. He didn't have to think about it anymore. And so he didn't think about it anymore. David forgot he'd become so ensconced in the excitement or the task or the recognition or the win, he'd forgotten to slow down, to remain aware, to use discernment. And the ark lost its footing and slipped, and Uzziah died. Often the bystanders, the weak people of our society, suffer because of the decisions of those who hold the power. Oh, how often it is that we get lost in the task. We get overly zealous about a win. We lose touch with our sense of discernment. We get caught up in our own feelings, and because of that, someone else suffers. Just the other day, I went to a clergy justice-type panel discussion. Up front were three panelists. Two of them were people of color, one a Muslim imam, and one a woman minister. The other was a cis white male. They were speaking to us about violence prevention. The woman spoke first for three minutes. The imam spoke second for three minutes. The white cis male then spoke. He took up the rest of the time with his PowerPoint presentation and well-crafted words. He had wonderful things to say about justice, organizing, violence prevention, and solidarity. But he did so at the expenses of others. In my opinion... He took up all the social-emotional space, leaving little time for us to hear and to be gifted by the liberating and powerful wisdom of the voices of the most impacted, who were sitting right next to him at the panelist's table. What would have happened if he'd utilized his allotted time on the panel in a different way? How could he have slowed down, been more aware, more discerning? How could we, as the participants, found a way to pause? regroup, and redirect the conversation. Like David, if we're not careful, someone could be hurt because of our misplaced attention or lack thereof. Blessings might be withheld because we are holding tightly to accomplishment, status, and power. If we are not attentive, we will forget that the common good is more important than the personal good. We will forget the ones that trail behind. Like David, this isn't fully what we want. Deep down, we want clean hands, a pure heart. We long to lift up our spirits and set down the soles of our feet to what is true. Psalm 24 
God claims earth and everything in it. God claims world and all who live on it. He built it on ocean foundations, laid it out on river girders. Who can climb Mount God? Who can scale the holy north face? Only the clean-handed, only the pure-hearted. Men and women who won't cheat, women and men who won't seduce. God is at their side. With God's help, they make it. This, Jacob, is what happens to God-seekers, God-questers. Wake up, you sleepy-headed city. Wake up, you sleepy-headed people. King Glory is ready to enter. Who is this King Glory? God, armed and battle-ready. Wake up, you sleepy-headed city. Wake up, you sleepy-headed people. King Glory is ready to enter. Who is this King Glory? God of the angel armies. He is King Glory. We must always again awaken ourselves to the God of glory, the light to our path, always again slowing down, becoming aware. Old Testament scholar Walter Brueggemann writes, The work of God's people depends on intense attentiveness. Without that attentiveness, the world will relapse into injustice and chaos. He describes the people of God as ragtag hopers, those who refuse, deny, or doubt the totalizing claims of the empire, and who continue to keep imagining and attempting alternative modes of life, and who keep experimenting with strange virtues of justice that take various forms of neighborliness. Always again, over and over, way after way. When Uzziah died, David got scared. He backtracked a bit on his plans. Instead of taking the ark to Jerusalem, he detoured to Obed-Edom. The Lord continued to rain down blessings. Obed-Edom received blessings while the ark was there. After a pause, perhaps for reflection and discernment, perhaps for therapeutic healing and recovery, David sought out the ark of the covenant, God's presence, and brought it home. On the return home, David danced. Do you remember the first time you danced? Me neither. But I do know this. In order to dance, you must first learn to walk. <laughs>